At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every basket, every game, every point, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a three-pointer at the buzzer to tie the game or a player that goes two for two at the foul line. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment. It's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only. Must be present in Virginia. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. Oh, what a beautiful Wednesday on the Brother from Another program. We have the one and only Jim Trotter in a shirt and tie with a tie bar, mind you. So it's a very serious Wednesday in the Trotter household. Thank you for watching. Whether you're watching on PeacockTV.com, whether you're watching live, listening on Sirius XM Channel 85, watching on YouTube, listening on a podcast wherever you listen to podcasts. We appreciate you and we thank you for joining us for our two-year anniversary. We'll talk about that later, but today Jim Trotter is the two-year anniversary of Brother from Another. That means, well, Brother from Another is potty trained, I think. Potty trained, walking, running, about a year away from preschool, but we're doing all right. Man, good to see you. How are you? I dressed up for the occasion. Someone told me it was yeah. a two-year anniversary, so I said, let me get out of the T-shirt and I actually put on a shirt and tie. You didn't. There it is right there. That was episode one. Michael Smith looks like, he looks like he's two years old there. <laughs> Man. We grow up quickly, and, don't and, we? You know, and that was that. That's when we had our, uh, that's when we had our backgrounds, Trotter. We had a, just a brother from another background. That's it. We didn't have our living rooms and kitchens and studies. It was just, that was it. It was just our, need, our maiden voyage. You didn't need it. People come for the content, for the personalities. That was all. That's all you need. All right. Well, I love it. Hey, man, I, I see something. I, I want to talk to you. I want to talk to you about this anyway. But as I looked at your feed today, and you and Michael Smith, he's not here, but he's kind of here. Because you and Michael Smith are of a like mind, and I just want you both, <laughs> you're going to represent you, and you're going to represent Michael Smith. I want you to explain this to me. What do you mean, Lamar won, critic zero? Like, is that a thing? Like, who, who, yeah, it's like, it's who like, it's like people... a straw man. What are we talking about? Nah, what critic? Nah, it's, it's, it's people like Michael Holly saying, you got to sign the deal. You got to do the deal, right? Okay. Right? But no, no, no. Okay, okay, you're saying that. Okay, I got that. Because I thought, I thought, as Michael, uh, he didn't get time, he didn't have time to get to this on Monday. He was talking about, oh, yeah, Lamar looked really distracted yesterday, didn't he? Okay, first of all, they're playing the Jets. <laughs> okay, so that's not a referendum on anything. You're playing the Jets. They had the worst defense in football last year, or second worst, whatever it is. A lot of people look good against the Jets. And it was never, for me, Trotter, it was never about the distraction of Lamar Jackson. Like, oh, he can't have this contract negotiation and go out and play good football. People do that all the time in industries across this great land of ours. So that, that's not really saying much to me. I'm saying to you, 
this is all well and good, and you think this this contract negotiation is really a matter of dotting the I's and crossing the T's. And then, since the last time we spoke, have you noticed that some of the contract details were leaked? This confidential contract negotiation, previously confidential, now we know the details. We know, oh, how do we know this? That the Ravens offered him about $250 million and it was about $133 million guaranteed at signing, which is very competitive with Kyler Murray and Russell Wilson. But, but Lamar wants fully guaranteed money and the Deshaun, Jack, uh, the Deshaun Watson contract really put him in that space to be, have a, a guarantee. How do we know this? How, why do we know these details? Mm. Who's been talking? Well, let me say this, regardless of who's been regardless of who's been talking, it is only going to complicate negotiations next offseason. And really men. Hey. And and let me say this to you. When I say Lamar one critics zero, I'm also talking about those people who who say he should not, in essence, bet on himself this year. And and that's really what I meant by that. Lamar is gonna go out, I believe, and have a fantastic year. And when he does All it means is that his leverage is going to increase each year that these negotiations do not get done. So the salary cap we know is going to jump next year with all this new TV money and revenue coming in, etc. You know, I've heard from from uh, union people or or agents, I should say, that they anticipate that it could go up by 20 million dollars next year and then more the following year after that. So if you're looking at that and you're Lamar Jackson and you're saying, why do I want to sign a deal with 130 million guaranteed when I got a player over here who I believe that I am better than and I am more accomplished than, why should I sign for roughly, yes, why should I sign for roughly $100 million less guaranteed than what he got? So this is why I say again, one reason I am rooting for Lamar is to change the landscape, not only for this young man to get paid, but also for him to change the landscape for all of the NFL players who are repeatedly told, get what you can while you can, because it's such a violent game that nothing is guaranteed to you. Well, Dan, get your guarantees and it will be guaranteed to you. So hopefully, if Lamar plays this out this way, he will set sort of the foundation for those who are coming behind him. And I will say this to you again, Michael Holly. I say am it. fully intrigued. I am fully intrigued to see how committed Joe Burrow and Justin Herbert are going to be to pushing the boundaries as well about getting guaranteed, fully guaranteed contracts. As you have stated so well, the business of football is doing well and will continue to do well. Everybody who's an NFL owner, congratulations to you. You've made a great investment and your investment will continue to pay off for you and future generations. So nobody nobody (laughs) has to worry about the, the security of football or the future of football. But I'm talking about this negotiation. I said to you last week, and I knew something was weird. Something was off to me. I And, and I wasn't sure what it was. And now I know. Now we know. What do you because, know? What and, do you know? Because of the leaks. Because of the leaks. What okay, do you know? So wait a minute. Look, Lamar Jackson, this is what I know. Okay. Lamar Jackson didn't say, wasn't signing this big contract when lots of quarterback dollars were out there. The Ravens wanted him to sign a contract. Okay, he wants them. They want him. What's the problem? We know what the problem is. They are off by about 
hundred million dollars. <laughs> Guaranteed. <laughs> you imagine a negotiation. Guaranteed. Hey, we're getting a little close. We're close. Uh, we're only about a hundred million dollars apart. That's all. He wants a guaranteed contract. They don't want to give it to him. And the question is, like, uh, the question that exists in every negotiation, whether you're fifty thousand dollars off or a hundred million dollars off, was is somebody? Are the parties willing to meet in the middle? Are the Ravens willing to go even further for Lamar Jackson and say, "Hey, we can't guarantee two thirty or two forty, but we'll guarantee one ninety two hundred." And, and and is that enough for Lamar, or is he so insistent? And which I'm not hating on either. Is he so insistent on a guaranteed deal that the Ravens seriously have to think about moving on from Lamar Jackson because he's not going to relent. He's not going to sign for anything less than what he thinks he's worth. And he knows somebody, some of these quarterback poor, these sorry abject, abject quarterback situation teams, they'll do it like the Browns. So let they'll me ask it. you this. Let me ask you this. So if the Ravens decided that Lamar is not going to budge and therefore they have to move on from a quarterback who was a unanimous MVP a few years mm. ago, a quarterback who has consistently taken them to the playoffs when fully healthy, um, what is the message that the Ravens are then sending to not only their locker room, but also their fan base that what? We have, it's not like they don't have the money. As you just said, the business of football is doing very well. So it's not about a lack of money. It is just about you what? Not wanting to set the foundation or lay the foundation for players who are coming behind Lamar Jackson. I'm, I'm trying to figure it out here because if, yeah. if he is everything that you have said he is and you have built your entire offense around him, including the way that you draft, and now you say, simply because he wants a fully guaranteed contract, we're going to move on from him. And you assume that you can just go out and find someone else to plug and play. What is the message that you as an organization are sending to your fan base? Uh, You know what's scary, Trotter? And you tell me, because you've covered football at a high level for a long time. What's scary is that you don't necessarily have to have a message for you to sell it to your fan base, for your fan base to accept it. I'm going to cite... You know, one thing that I, that I know and one thing that I think I know, and you can tell me if what I think I know is actually true. One thing I know is that owners and general managers usually start talking about, you know, what's in the, what's in the best interest of the organization. It's good business or it sets a bad precedent for a contract, for a monstrous contract that 99% of their fans, let's be real here, 99% of their fans can't even relate to. I mean, it's all over there. Like, and, and, and I can't relate to it either. It's over my head. It's over your head. Like, you know, just million, nobody, well, very, very few people who call themselves Ravens fans have just seen, you know, $35 million. Okay, here, 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 sign this. You get $35 million guaranteed. You get $100 million guaranteed. So they're thinking, well, how much is, you know, you've heard it. How much is enough? You know, you already got more money than God. They, people spend your money for you. And, and the other thing... Can I interrupt just for one second? Because I'm going to be yeah. real honest with you. I'm going to be real here and transparent. When the NFL coming off of the pandemic, if you'll recall, 
no fans in the stadium, all of that and whatnot. Yeah. And I remember we at the NFL Network, many of us were asked to, to basically take a pay cut over a six-year period or whatever, right? And some voluntary, some mandatory. Okay? All cool. I get it. Big business, whatever. You want to protect No, no, we're right there. Same. Okay, no, Same. hold on. Hold on. Okay, hold Same. on. So, okay. so we take, we voluntarily take the pay cut, and then yeah. the new TV deals come in, and the new revenues come in, and we see where it's all going, and all of a sudden, 100-plus people get laid off from the network. Ooh. And so, Ooh, so now, now, I'm upset about it from this standpoint. You told me that you wanted us to take these pay cuts to help the network, right? The bottom line and all of that. We did. We did it. Right. We came up with creative yeah. ways for programming, all of that. And now you get through it. You sign these record deals. And now you're going to lay off people who, who, who suffered in part to help your bottom line. And so I remember I texted a couple owners and I said to them, when is enough enough to speak to your point about what fans might say about Lamar? And to a man from each of these owners, separately and independently, the answer was exactly the same. That is a good question. So mm. I'm not sitting here worrying about what anyone thinks about Lamar in terms of what's enough enough. That's for Lamar to decide. And I'm not getting oh, in his I know. pockets. And I, I'm with you. Go Trotter, ahead, sir. Yeah. I, I agree with you. I agree with you 100% on that. I'm saying, you know, so I guess if you if you agree with that point, I think you got to agree with right. my second point, and that is when it comes down to lockouts, when it comes down to player strikes, and you've covered these labor conflicts between the players and ownership, people who in their everyday lives might say, wait a minute, we're getting a raw deal from management. We're getting a raw deal from ownership. Let's stick together. Let's stick together so we can get more money for what we're doing. Those people who will do that in their everyday lives, flip it around, and generally the owners get the benefit of the doubt in these labor disputes. It's 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 rich. It's the richer tend to get the tend to get the benefit of the doubt against the rich because players they see a face of of a fans see the face of a player and they hear that this player wants to increase his millions by five percent or eight percent and that's what they focus on and I think owners, for two reasons I think owners take advantage of that they take advantage of that and say we're going to win we're going to ultimately we'll win the PR. We'll win the PR battle. We're going to win it. Absolutely. Absolutely. They do for two reasons. Number one, as you and I have talked about, people just want their football. We're like Pavlov's dogs, as I've said. When the whistle blows, we come running on Sundays. But the other thing here is fans know exactly what players make. They have no idea what the profit margins are for an oh NFL team That's right. because they don't have That's to open their point. books. So it's, it's easier for them to come down on players and look at players negatively as opposed to say, Damn, I didn't know that this owner had this much to go out and buy another yacht on top of the one he already has. So it's easier to come after the player in that. And I get it. I understand it. But from that standpoint, that's where the players have to be strong. And from Lamar Jackson's standpoint, all I have seen, Lamar Jackson is that dude to say, you know what? I've been betting on myself my whole life, and I'm not about to change right now. Well, it's a fascinating. I think it's tension now, and we we'll see if the tension it's uh, it's it's going to go one way or the other. The tension will be resolved, and they'll come to a deal at the end of the year, 
or the tension will escalate throughout the year. Every day you don't have a deal with Lamar Jackson. That should be an uncomfortable day in Owings Mills, Maryland. Uh, and anybody who is paying attention to the Baltimore Ravens, that's uncomfortable. You get into October, and remember, November, December, and you don't have a deal with your, your franchise quarterback. I'm a little nervous. I'm unsettled. And, and remember, Steve Bashotti, the owner of the Ravens, is already on record as saying he has an issue with that deal that Deshaun Watson signed. Yep. And that he felt it was bad for business. So we know where he stands on this right now. The question is, is he willing to move off of that? And if Lamar has the kind of year that I think he is going to have and that potentially the Ravens could have, it's going to be really interesting when we get to next offseason. And, and I, I love your point so much. I'll just say this before we, uh, we, we take a break and then uh, come back and talk with our first guest. I love your point so much about owners and how much they have. And we're just not I mean, like you, you don't you're not a football fan because you're a fan of ownership. You're a football fan because you like to see the all, all the uh, athleticism and speed and just all the things that players do on the field. So you're not really paying attention to the owners unless you know, you're inspired by their business acumen. But you think about two people like think about Stan Kroenke. Stan Kroenke doesn't just own the LA Rams. I mean, Stan Kroenke owns several, several franchises nationally and internationally. So this is, this is like, this is not the only way he's making money. You look at Robert Kraft in New England. He bought the Patriots overpriced in night in the early 1990s for $175 million. And now they're like the second or third most valuable sports franchise in the world. He's not hurting for anything. So they, they will, the money will keep coming to them and without scrutiny, without people counting their dollars. Whereas players, hey, you got the contract out, and we always refer to the contract. Hey, you paid X million for that. Whenever a player has an incompletion, interception, does something boneheaded, we keep going back to their contracts when we don't really talk about the money of the guys who are paying them. I, I'm telling you, Trotter. This story, this story just intrigues me because I'm not sure. I'm not sure it's going to be some great happy ending. And Lamar Jackson says, I always wanted to be here. There was never a doubt in my mind. When you say, when you say happy ending, happy ending for whom? Okay. For the Ravens. For the Ravens. Okay. I just wanted to be clear about that. Because I think yeah. I think Lamar is going to be fine regardless of what happens. That's right, I agree. But I and we're going to be fine. We, said, Man, we got a show. We got a show. <laughs> oh, I'm, I'm excited. Two year anniversary. We made it. We weren't canceled. Didn't get divorced. Didn't do anything galactically stupid. At Bet three six five, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every basket, every game, every point, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a three-pointer at the buzzer to tie the game or a player that goes two for two at the foul line. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment. It's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only. Must be present in Virginia. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. I told you it's a great day here on Brother from Another. Uh, it's our, it's the show's anniversary. 
but it this is in a moment this is a moment to allow Jim Trotter just to brag a little bit more not that Howard University graduates brag that much about the Mecca yes they do and so Trotter we have another HU man on the set on the show today Tyler Dragon from USA Today is here and he's bison he's bison family too so I'll just let y'all Go ahead and do that Howard thing that all the Howard, all the real HU people do. Go ahead and do that thing. <laughs> well, you know, I always said this is one of the smartest shows around. And, and Michael, you just proved it again by bringing on another bison. So what up, Tyler? <laughs> HU? <laughs> you know. <laughs> hey, it's great to be on with a fellow bison alum. I'm, I'm, I'm loving this. So look. Tyler's one of the young bucks coming up. You know, it's always for yeah. guys like me who are so old and you see all the gray in here. To see the young bison come up and do their thing, I'm, I'm loving it. So, you know, for a quick second, Michael, let me just let Tyler have the floor in terms of talking about what it meant to be at HU, to come through that, that, that sports information office and that program and how it has helped him do what he is doing today. Well, I tell everybody all the time that I would not be where I am today without Howard University. And that's the professors, all the administration, Um, you know, their communication school. It really helped me out from day one. And I was a, a transfer. I was a student athlete at UCLA. And then I ended up transferring to uh, Howard and I was there to play football and, you know, uh, do track and field as well. But then, you know, I found out very quickly that I probably wasn't going to be an Olympian. I wasn't going to go to the NFL. And, you know, I really kind of honed in on academics and, you know, it served me right because Howard University is one of the best institutions, best universities in the world. And, you know, I don't say that because I'm an alum. It's, I say that because of the, you know, the faculty, the professors and, you know, the, all the administration, they really value their students and they really put the time in to make sure that you exceed in uh, your career. And they did so for me. And that's, you know, a large part uh, why I'm at where I am today. You know, Tyler, let's let's switch off. I don't want to lose Michael Holly here, you know, without talking too much about the bison. No, I'm, I'm, let, I'm intrigued. I'm always intrigued. I like it. I like it. I'm proud. I'm proud of let, both of y'all. We appreciate you. Let's switch over to this this game coming up tomorrow night, the Chiefs and the Chargers. Um, we have said all along the AFC West is just going to be fascinating this year. We saw the Chiefs looked outstanding coming out of the gates. We saw the Chargers win a close one over the Raiders. What do you anticipate and what are you looking forward to tomorrow as we see these two face off? Well, there's a lot to look forward to. I'm actually writing a column um, on the game. But really, I want to see how, you know, Patrick Mahomes fares against this Chargers pass rush. We all know about Joey Bosa, but Khalil Mack, what a Chargers debut. He had three sacks tied for the league lead and coming out of week one. And so this Chargers pass rush, they're going to get after uh, Patrick Mahomes, and that's going to be a huge key uh, to the game. And on the other side of the football, the Chargers are going to be without 
Keenan Allen. They just ruled him out with a, a hamstring injury. So how does Mike Williams fare against this chief secondary that a lot of people think, you know, could be had? Chief secondary isn't uh, all that good. So I want to see how Justin Herbert fares in a Rockets environment and how he's able to, you know, uh, pass to these receivers, not named Keenan Allen, because it, he's going to have his hands full against this Chiefs team. However, Justin Herbert, I think he's a top five quarterback, and if he wants to prove everybody uh, right and that he is a, one of the best quarterbacks in the NFL. He's going to have to beat these big teams, these really good teams, and these you know bright lights. And Thursday night is going to be all the eyeballs are going to be on the Chargers and the Chiefs. The lights are going to be certainly bright. You know, look, there, there are a lot of storylines at the beginning of the season, fellas. I mean, talk about Rams, uh, Bills, opening night, and the Bills really impressed a lot of people. And then you have Buccaneers, Cowboys, just a lot of big things. Tyreek Hill, first game with the Dolphins. Mm-hmm. Well, another storyline was Kansas City. How was Kansas City going to look without Tyreek Hill? Uh, I think points-wise, that wasn't a problem but Tyler, tell me what you saw and what you think going forward uh, we're going to see from that Kansas City offense. Because as we just pointed out, Patrick Mahomes was hitting a number of receivers. What did you see? So that's a good question because I uh, attended that Cardinals-Chiefs game and I asked Patrick Mahomes, you know, what his offense is going to be like this season without Tyreek Hill. And he told me he's going to spread the ball around. And he certainly did. He uh, had uh, nine different uh, receivers catch passes uh, in that week one win. And that's what they're going to do. The offense is going to be very diverse. He's going to spread the football out to Juju Smith-Schuster. We all know Travis Kelsey is going to catch the football. So it's not going to be just Travis Kelsey or Tyreek Hill anymore. It's going to be a collection of receivers coming out of the backfield or, you know, wide receivers on the outside catching the football. And if you look at it, it's going to make the Chiefs harder to stop because they're not just going to be just one-dimensional uh, throwing downfield to Tyreek Hill on those nine routes. It's going to be, you know, passes over the middle. It's going to be slant routes. It's going to be over routes, you know. And so I really do like this Chiefs offense without Tyreek Hill because you really don't know what you're going to get week in and week out. Let me say this. I, I think the Chiefs could not have asked for a better opponent in week one, too. Let's not forget <laughs> that. The fact, I mean, and, I, and I, I'm not trying to yeah. throw shade here, but look, Arizona yeah. defensively is banged up. J.J. Watt doesn't play. Chandler Jones leaves in free agency. Your number one cornerback dies in a car accident in the offseason. The guy projected to be number two is out after a cooking incident. So you want to talk about being depleted. It was a perfect recipe for Patrick Mahomes and the Chiefs to get off to a good start, notwithstanding the fact that Andy Reid had an entire offseason to prepare. But, Tyler, what I'm interested in from you, too, is as you look at week one, was there something you saw that maybe you didn't anticipate or that maybe stood out to you more where you're like, whoa, you know, I didn't see that coming? Well, you know, I can do an NFC team and an AFC team. Um, in the NFC, I was kind of surprised that the Rams came out that flat. Um, you know, it's a nationally televised game. I get the Super Bowl hangover, and, you know, you're raising a banner at SoFi Stadium. But I expected the Rams to come out with a little more sense of urgency and kind of like, you, you know, make a statement that we're still the top dogs in the NFL. So I was really surprised at that. And then in the AFC, 
you know, uh, I was real surprised at the Cincinnati Bengals. Joe Burrow had uh, a career high five turnovers in that game, including four interceptions against a Pittsburgh team. Yes, it's a division rival, but a Pittsburgh team that really shouldn't be able to compete uh, with the Cincinnati Bengals, especially offensively. But, you know, um, the Steelers credit to, you know, T.J. Watt, who's hurt, and Mika Fitzpatrick, who had an exceptional uh, game, AFC uh, play, Defensive Player of the Week. They came out like gangbusters. It really looked like, you know, a legit defense, number one defense in the NFL, really what how they played. So I was really surprised at those two performances. And it is uh... – any of these second-year quarterbacks going to be able to take a, a, a leap that will make them reliable? You look at them and you say, they're reliable players. Now, we know the Bears won. I'm talking about, you know, let's say Justin Fields, for example. The Bears won. Fields was not great for most of the game. He, he, he was good when he needed to be. Uh, will Trey Lance become a reliable guy? Mac Jones in a new offense. Trevor Lawrence, they lose again. Uh, new coach. New scheme, they lose again to the commanders. You look at any of those guys, Tyler, and you say, or Zach Wilson, who's who's out, uh, hurt again. Who's who's the guy you're going to say in year two? Okay, I see it. He's figured it out. I'm going to go out on a limb here, and I'm going to say Trey Lance. But his week one performance didn't give me any confidence at all. That is a limb. When, That's a big when, limb. When, you went way out there. <laughs> Uh, he completed less than 50% of his passes in week one. But when you look at this 49ers roster, they have a Super Bowl-ready roster on offense and defense. And they have the recipe for Trey Lance to be successful. They have a really good running game. They have a, a pretty good offensive line and a top-tier defense. With, with that, and then you have Debo Samuels and Kittle at tight end and receiver. So with all those pieces – you should be able to win football games, even in a division like the NFC West. Trey Lance just needs to get more comfortable in the pocket, not lock in on receivers and worry about, you know, getting his head down and scrambling, getting out of pressure. And I do think, you know, with more reps, the speed of the game will kind of slow down for him. And then later on in the season, hopefully and for his sake, sooner rather than later, the game will slow down. He won't lock in and key in on receivers, and you'll start to see him take a leap because the talent is there. You see it in glimpses. It's just he needs to work on consistency, and that comes with more reps. Tyler, we got uh, Brady and the Bucks going down to play the Saints and Jameis Winston. Um, we know that Brady is 0-4 against the Saints in the regular season since coming over to Tampa. What do you foresee on Sunday with these two teams? I think the streak ends on Sunday. I think Tom Brady and the Bucks get the win in New Orleans. All streaks must come to an end, right? I, I know Brady is hearing all the noise, whether it's, you know, he missed 11 days of training camp. He can't beat the Saints in a regular season. It's a curse. But, you know, I really do think this Bucks team, they're on a mission this season. And I do think they're going to go out. They need to protect Brady. That's the key. Brady has been intercepted, I believe, four times in those uh, two losses uh, last year. He was sacked uh, seven times. So protect Tom Brady. 
give him a chance in the pocket, and I think the Bucks will be successful in New Orleans. I really don't like what I saw from uh, New Orleans in week one. Yes, I know they got the victory, but they're a little bit shaky on offense. Oh. Whoa, whoa, like interesting. Okay. What, t- right. tell me I what told you I'm going like out on a limb. I'm going out on okay. a limb on this show. <laughs> let, let, let me play devil's advocate with my bison brother here for a minute. I okay. actually liked what I saw from the Saints from this standpoint. Through three quarters, Jameis Winston had only thrown for, I think, 56, 58 yards, something like that. The old mm-hmm. Jameis, we know, would have then panicked started forcing the ball downfield, turnovers would have followed, and it would have been an ugly loss. This mm-hmm. Jameis stayed patient, and then in the fourth mm-hmm. quarter when the opportunity presented itself, started making plays. I think he only had three incompletions, threw for over 200 yards, two touchdowns, and led them down on the game-winning drive. So for me, I walked away saying, man, this is a positive in terms of Michael Thomas being out all of last year, being reintegrated to the offense in terms of those two touchdown catches. Jarvis Landry coming in from the outside and coming from Cleveland, where Cleveland seemed like it didn't have a fit for him. And yet he has two of the longest three plays for the Saints in that game, two of them in the fourth quarter, big plays to set up touchdowns or or the game-winning field goal. And then also, you know Chris Olave is going to get better as the game, as the season goes on. So... I'm actually going down to New Orleans this weekend. I'm looking forward to seeing okay. that one. I, you know, Tyler, I think I think the Saints are going to be okay. So th- this is where I have to disagree with my fellow Howard brother. Now, the same Wait, thing at how you said with the, with the Chiefs, and, you know, they played a depleted secondary in Arizona. I mean, what are the Atlanta Falcons? <laughs> this is one of the worst – rosters in all of football they're at the beginning stages of a rebuild and the saints needed to come from behind to beat them and it's not like they won comfortably they only won by one point so that's why you know i really don't like uh, what i saw from new orleans coming out the gate yes they got a win and at the end of the day it's about w's and l's they got the w but they didn't give me a lot of confidence coming out of week one I understand, but I'll say this to you. I think they were looking ahead to Brady and the Bucks. I think they thought they had a W. They were going to walk out on the field, and it was a W against the Falcons, and the Falcons showed them a few things that they hadn't seen in terms of game planning in the offseason. And that's why this Sunday will tell us a lot, I believe, about both teams. It will. That's right. It certainly will. That's right. Uh, Tyler, uh, great talking football with you. Great talking Howard with you. Uh, one day we're just going to come on. We're just going to talk about Howard. That's it. We're not gonna talk, you know, there's no no other reason. We're going to come on. We're going to talk about Howard and all the things you need to know, all the things people don't know, don't talk about enough. It's going to be like a Howard <laughs> session. A brother from another. Because that's, that's the kind of stuff that we do. I, I'm all for that. Maybe we can film it at a Howard homecoming and then it'll really be lit. Great idea. Great idea. We will take the show on the road. All right, Tyler, appreciate you. Thanks for stopping by. Thanks for having me on. Appreciate you. All right, welcome back to the show. (laughs) Oh, I love this uh, tweet from Vinny Goodwill. What would have happened if Silver issued a harsher penalty on Sarver? Yes, right, Nino Brown. It's bigger than Nino Brown. 
It is big business. And maybe that's what Adam Silver was thinking, or maybe he wasn't thinking at all of any goodwill, because after this, you know, I, I naively got myself all prepared Oh, for this announcement. Here, the announcement's coming. They got an investigation. They've been investigating since November of 2021. In September of 2022, we get one-year suspension, $10 million, which he uh, wipes his, um, you know, wipes his hands with $10 million. Let's just say, let's just, let's keep it clean today. Vinny, what's up with this very light, very offensive punishment for Robert Sarver of the Phoenix Suns? Y'all are offended. Y'all, you guys cut your bones in the NFL. You know exactly what commissioners are there to do. Take the bullets for the men who have the money. We've seen Roger Goodell look like a fool so many times in front of the owners, and they cut him a big-ass $40 million check. We just saw Adam Silver on that Summer Jam screen for the first time a few minutes ago. He could have suspended him longer. He could have basically stalled him out to the point of, you know what, I'm going to suspend you longer than a year until you can sell. And there's no shortage of billionaires who want to get into the NBA. But the thing is this, if Robert Sarver felt like that he was getting castigated by his fellow NBA owners and castigated by Adam Silver, there's a word for that. It's called discovery because it was going to go to litigation <laughs> and we were all going to find out some of the ugly secrets by some of the other fellow owners of the NBA. And they said, you know what, let's let's give him a penalty that puts him away for a little while, but doesn't kick him out of the club. So, yeah, he ten million dollars. He sneezes that. And in a year, he'll be back. And what will we do? Move as if life goes on. Benny, yeah, how, how do you respond? Trotter. Well, I was going to say just real quick, but uh, Trotter and Vinny, you said Adam said, and that all makes sense. And the NFL, we're used to it, and we know uh, they're just good. They'll follow the money all day long. But Adam Silver, I thought, was setting a precedent right when he started because I expected business as usual for the Donald Sterling press conference. I was waiting for that Donald Sterling press conference. He came out. He came out with you know that uh, that little meme on Twitter when the dude's walking in, got a little got a little swag to him. He came out like that in his press conference. He was like, Mr. Sterling is being suspended indefinitely. Okay. That was different from a commissioner. Where was all, where was that energy? Is it all about discovery as you wrote? Well, two, two, there's a lot of things there. For one, it was TMZ, right? There was audio and video that we heard as a public that the NBA couldn't control. There's video here. We're just not going to see it. Like in page seven of yeah. this report, a very exhaustive report, it says that there are over, I think, 40 videos. It doesn't say what the videos contain or if it's even Sarver on it. It just says that it's part of the investigation and part of that discovery finding process with all the people that they've interviewed. But with Sterling, it was this. A, it was a little more salacious. There's a lot more things outside of the league's control. Sterling also insulted Magic Johnson. Don't forget that. And here's the other part of it. Sponsors started pulling out of the L.A. Clippers right around the time of the playoffs starting. So it was a lot of bad and negative press that happened in the immediate aftermath. In addition, guys, to this was an underutilized property in L.A. You're in the number one media market in the world and you have an embarrassing franchise. We know that if we get you up out of here, there's going to be a line of people willing to pay billions of dollars for your franchise, which will subsequently raise the value of all the other 
member franchises. It took a special brand of circumstances in 2014, and Adam Silver has been riding off of that. Let's be perfectly honest. He did look at, he did uh, embrace being looked at as the commissioner with the moral compass and not necessarily being completely guided by capitalistic ideals. But honestly, you can be about all of the right things. You can want all the right things to happen, but you work at the behest of the owners. That is just the simple fact of it. Vinny, I'll ask you this. How much did other owners play in this outcome from the standpoint of my understanding from what I've read, and you would know this better than me, is that there were other owners who were upset at the time that Donald Sterling was forced out of the league and didn't like the way that that went down necessarily. So how much was that a factor into to the decision that Adam Silver came with here, came to here? Yeah, I, I remember Mark Cuban being very vocal right. in 2014 and saying that, you know, what's the standard now for you being able to take my team away, my financial investment away because of some behavior? Like at the, at the end of the day, it is a quote-unquote money-making endeavor in business. So you're, you're wondering about the line. I never got the sense, Jim, that other owners wanted their closets open. You know what I mean? That regardless of whether they believed in Robert Sarver or not, like I don't get the sense that they like this dude. I don't get the sense that they care for this dude. But everybody knows that, look, once you set the new standard, you yourself become a little more vulnerable. Now think about it, guys. The standard used to be Donald Sterling. Now the standard is Robert Sarver from the standpoint of he was, you know, did sexism, racism, you know, classism, all, you know, with lewd behavior, indecent exposure, physical, basically physical, physical assault. If you read some of the things that he did with his employees, pulling their pants down and things like that, to me, that's assault. Now, he's now the line that any ownership misconduct that happens after this, and you try to take his team away, he's going to say, you didn't take Robert Sarver's team away. So basically, in my opinion, Jim, He's now their new human shield. Like like that, mm. like I said, that was a special set of circumstances before. And I'll give the NBA points for pseudo-transparency because we don't know what happened with Daniel Snyder. We have no clue how long that, sus- that quote-unquote right. suspension is, what that investigation actually unearthed. We just kind of said, hey, just go away for a little while. The NBA is trying to say, hey, look, we put together an investigation. You're able to see 80 90% of things. For us, it just doesn't feel like enough because we had higher expectations and this investigation took nearly a year. Well, I'll give, uh, sure, sure, I'll give the NBA credit uh, for transparency, but you know, but then I'll take away that credit that I just gave them because Daniel Snyder, great example, Vinny, Daniel Snyder, for having a toxic workplace over uh, a period of time, fined $10 million by the, by the NFL. Robert Sarver, his pretty much his entire ownership, 17, 18 years, toxic workplace from him and from managers under him doing things that were just as bad as the things he did, if not worse, $10 million. What are you doing? What? That's it? $10 million? What's the message? What message are you sending? What message is Sarver receiving? Because you know, he even came out, had the nerve. I love this, Vinny. He had the nerve to say, well, you know, I don't agree. You know, I don't agree with everything they said, but you know, I'll accept it. What? <laughs> what some people with the league will try to tell you, what some people will try to say on that side is, oh, it's sophomoric, it's not harmful. Like in the report, the most insulting thing to me, guys, was almost, you know what? There was no racial animus here. There was no sexual animus here. 
So we've got sexism without a sexist. We've got racism without a racist. Who's doing all of these things if it's not right. him? What's what's the message right. that it's sending? If you are a woman or a person of color that works for the Phoenix Suns, you don't have any protection. You don't have anybody that's going to look over your shoulder, watch your back. HR, they can talk all these things about you know having someone's back and everything else and one thing adam silver said and i don't think he meant it in the way that he said it but he said it he said two things one robert sarver's behavior has evolved over his stewardship of the phoenix Suns. he's on he's on the team for 17 years and he's 60 years old i don't know about y'all but if you show me an evolved human being at 60 years old you show me who they are because i've been around my parents for 60 years and they the same old ornery <laughs> black people that they had always been right <laughs> and secondly and secondly he says adam silver says you know as many things that there were complaints against him there were also contrary people who liked working for him and i'm like oh you mean the people who protected him <laughs> aided and abetted and are still right. working there yes still work that's there. a very popular that's a very positive sign if you're someone who works for the Phoenix Suns. Are you freaking serious? So, Vinny, help me with this. I'm not a lawyer. I'm not going to try and play one on this show. But at what point do we get to remove the word alleged? Because I have heard people even today talking about these are alleged incidents. Correct me if I'm wrong, but this investigation says these things all happen. Does it yeah. not? We don't have to say a word alleged anymore. Like, like you know, like let's just remove that. Like you said, Jim, remove that from the vocabulary. But you do look like a lawyer right now. I will say that you can show up in the courtroom, throwing it, throw, it looks throw, great. On the, throw on the jacket and be a professor <laughs> or a lawyer exactly. right now with the full get up. You will be light skinned Chris Darden, except on the other side of the aisle. You know what I mean? Right. <laughs> but, I just can't, hey, I just hey, came you know from what, my man? day job and didn't have time to change. I'd be afraid of him too. I'd be afraid of like he's on the other side, and we're like, man, I'm sitting there, I'm writing notes to my lawyer, saying that other lawyer knows he knows something. He knows something. Be careful here. But, Tread but lightly. You, but you just said it. But you said alleged. We we can't say that anymore. Whatever they said he did, he did that. Like like when I when I write when you write about these things, found to have done. Let's start using that phrase. Found to be guilty of by virtue of an investigation and doing all of these things. And here's the crazy part. And we as three black men can sit here and we've had different experiences throughout our careers. The most surprised people aren't black folks. Like no, we right. are used to putting our heads down and saying, man, see no evil, hear no evil. As long as it ain't me, I'm here to do my job. The surprise, Adam Silver looked perplexed. I am shocked and appalled that all these things happen. Talk to a black person. Talk to a woman of any race about their work environments through the course of their right. careers and their lives and the things that they see that they have to pretend that they don't for sake of their own sanity. This is far more common. Maybe not as extreme, but this is far more common in general work environments. And the other thing is we got to stop pretending that just because if you're a racist or you're a sexist that you can't, quote unquote, own a sports team because you know what? How many sports teams would we have? Yeah. Mm. Uh, you know, mm. last the congregation say, say amen. 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 Uh, last thing I'll say, just get you out on a basketball note, just some basketball. Steph Curry, I, want, I thought of you when he uh, said this. He's like, yeah, we had internal discussions in an interview. We had a, internal discussions about acquiring KD. He's misunderstood. I love that dude. 
do you think this thing uh, just how how close did it come to happening in your opinion? KD back to Golden State. That sounds nice. It's like getting down on one knee to ask a woman that you like to marry you only because she says we ain't getting no younger. It just sounds nice. Steph Curry, now I'll say this. He would have no problem welcoming KD back to his team. He's a made man. He won another title on his own. He won a finals MVP. His Q rating will never get any higher than it is right now. There's no more questions to answer, no more dragons to slay. So yeah, KD, come on back. Now, if they lost to the Celtics, would he be so welcoming to say, to bring mm. Kevin Durant back to his team? That, my dears, are the questions. Look, Michael Good knows job. I'm a Golden State fan. I, I I grew up in the Bay Area, attended Warriors games up in the $5 nosebleed seats back in the day. I have moved on. So as great as KD is, leave Steph with these young dudes, let them mature, and go out and win a few more championships. I'm good. You said, said a, a few a more. Few oh, more. I love you more. Now. I love it. I said okay. a few more. It's a few more. Not it's, one, it's not we gotta two, go now. not three. Now we got to go. Oh, look at this. Oh, wow. Okay. All right, Trotter. Hey, hey, if he wins hey. a few more titles, we got to have a whole different conversation in a few years about where he ranks on some I real important okay list. with that. And, and, and listen, if he wins a few I more, it. I think it's a short conver- It's a short conversation. If he wins a few more, uh, there's not much debate there about Steph Curry standing uh, currently and all time. Vinny Goodwill, you the man. Thanks for taking the time, brother. Appreciate y'all, man. Appreciate Matt. you, Vinny. Hey, Trotter, we talked about it off the top, you know, uh, just about two years ago, two years ago, exactly. We started our first show on brother from another. And when I heard about the opportunity to do a show with my brother, I was thinking, wow, this is like stealing. This is somebody who really is his family. And we get to talk to each other every day and talk the way we want to talk about uh, subjects uh, that interest us and bring on people like you Trotter and bring on people like Vinny Goodwill and just all the guests who have been on the show, all the people who have worked behind the scenes, Gary and Courtney and Matt Chica and Brandon and Kaylee and Lakeisha and Kwani and Kybrea, Jim and why? I mean, there's so many people who have made this thing happen. And you know what I found out Trotter? Uh, we took a, a little bit of a break, a little bit of break uh, over the summer. I've met people. I met people all around the country who say, hey, you do that show. And thank you. We really appreciate it. So thank you all for, for checking for us and hanging in there with us. I appreciate both of you. Yeah, man, it's been a blast. It's been a blast. And we'll be back tomorrow. Two years and one day. See you tomorrow. Thanks for hanging out. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every goal, every game, every point, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a game-winning goal in the final seconds of overtime or a shot on the goal in the first period. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment. It's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only. Must be present in Virginia. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply.